You're listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation podcast network, hosted by Blake Murphy 7 and Johnny Touchdown. All about your Arizona Cardinals. Hello and welcome in to the Revenge of the Birds podcast. This is our only episode we'll be recording this week. Uh, We are your complete cards coverage, part of the SB Nation podcast network. My name is Blake Murphy on Twitter, at BlakeMurphy7. And joined as always by my co-host, the venerable John Venerable. And uh, John, before we get into talking about a disheartening, very disappointing Cardinals loss to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, I kind of want to ask you what I'm pretty sure everyone wants to ask right now, which is, how was your Christmas? Yeah, it was great, Blake, all things considered. Pandemic Christmas, minus, uh, you know, lots of uh, big get-togethers with family. No, it was it was fine, and then we had to watch that monstrosity on Saturday, uh, meeting the Arizona Cardinals on kind of prime TV, nationally televised kind of game against the Niner team that looked uh, more so like a a playoff contender than the Cardinals did. But, Blake, how was your your holiday? A lot of it was obviously the, uh, you know, as far as what comes with family and friends, trying to be cautious and taking it easy. Everyone, I think, has had a different type of experience this year. Um, In some cases, I think a lot of people can kind of feel somewhat like how the Niners did as a fish out of water operating out of Arizona for the past few weeks. It's kind of a little bit like that overall, and I think that's uh, what we can get into at least. Overall, it's about as good of a Christmas, I think, as you can have for such a year as 2020. Um, It's almost over. Uh, With that comes the end of the Cardinal season. They have one game left. Um, We'll preview the Rams game here in this show But uh, before we get into that, we'll have to talk about where the confidence of fans are with this team for that upcoming game as they're coming off what was essentially what seemed like it was a solid start to the game with an 11-play, 74-yard drive. Uh, The team ends up not being able to punch it into the end zone. Uh, Christian Kirk, at least, has an incomplete uh, drop pass on third and eight, I believe, at least. Um, And what you're talking about then is kind of a battle of punts back and forth. That really turned into the Niners just looking like they were in complete control of the game and the Cardinals looking like they were sluggish, looking like that they were mostly uninspired. They still had a chance due to a couple of missed field goals and extra points from Mike Nugent. I should say, uh, not from Mike Nugent, um, uh, from the Niners kicker, Robbie Gold. And you end up with the team turning it over on downs at the end of the game to lose 20-12. to 12. They no longer, I should, should say, they would no longer control their playoff destiny for at least one game. Um, we'll be able to talk about kind of the playoff scenarios that remain. Uh, but John, what, what in the world do you think happened on Sunday with the Niners and their third-string quarterback, C.J. Beathard, throwing for three touchdowns and the team running for 227 yards against the Cards? It looked like the team just did not show up to play, and we've seen this be a pattern throughout the year, unfortunately, a time or two. Disappointing, Blake. It was before this matchup, I would say the Carolina game and the loss earlier in the season was the biggest no-show of the season. That has been trumped by this game considering what was at stake, who you were playing, and everything else in between. The Cardinals, to me, had every reason to go out and play well in hopes of securing a postseason berth. 
to get into a winning record, I think, is a big deal. And solidifying yourself as a mainstay in this division over Kyle Shanahan, a coach that you've had a lot of success with. Um, but after last year, being able to come back and sweep the Niners this year would have been a huge statement. I don't care who was playing quarterback, what message was being received by the team. You go out and make a statement. Like, we're a postseason team. We're going to be at nine wins. We're going to take care of business next week and this week. And they came out and played uninspired football. They looked like a team that expected to win, that they thought the Niners would just roll over and die. C.J. Beathard is, I think, 1-11 as a starter coming into this game. And he put together his, his best game as a pro, 13-22, 182, three touchdowns. But it was the assertiveness in the offense. He's running out, lead blocking for Jeff Wilson, who went for 183 on the ground. I mean, it was just, it was the worst performance in recent memory. It might have been the worst performance outside of the Rams game last year that I've seen a Cliff Kingsbury Cardinal team have. And given everything at stake, it just gives me very minimal confidence heading into this weekend. And you know, the team's going to say all the right things. They're refocused. They're re-energized. They, they still control their own destiny. But Blake had the Rams won on, on, on Sunday and beaten Seattle. The Cardinals would be in a very precarious position. They would be in a position, or, or excuse me, they'd be in a very vulnerable position. They'd be in a position where the Bears, all they have to do is beat a backup quarterback, you would think, for Green Bay on Sunday, and the game's over, and the season's over for the Cardinals. So I, I don't buy this renewed sense of win or go home. That was your winner go home game, and you proved to everybody that you're not taking this seriously right now, and until that changes, until you want to be in the mindset of, we think we're a contender or a playoff team, they've instituted this new seventh seed for us, and we're going to come in and take it year one, and we've got this Pro Bowl quarterback, you guys put up 12 points against, yes, a very well-coordinated defense by Robert Sala, who seemed like Robert Sala had more energy defensively than the entire Cardinal team combined. And the defense was flying all over the place. The offense for the 49ers, while limited, still produced when they had to. And here are the Cardinals, throwing interceptions in the end zone, fumbling the ball away, missing tackles. That was probably the worst tackling performance in recent memory for this team. You know, nobody can apply consistent pressure outside of, you know, uh, Hassan Reddick. It's just, it's an embarrassing effort that, Everybody got to see. This wasn't hidden away, tucked away on a Sunday afternoon, you know, when there was multiple other primetime games going on. You got exposed on national TV, and I think that's one of the biggest reasons, Blake, we, we go into this Sunday against the Rams, and most of the general public still feel like the Rams are going to win with a backup quarterback and multiple skill players missing. That is an indictment on you, Cliff Kingsbury, as a head coach. And I, I get it. The Cardinals, at worst, are going to finish 8-8. Eight and eight. They're going to deem it as a, a step forward, a successful season. But they were 5-2. and two. They were 2-0 and oh in the division. Meaning, if you lose this game on Sunday, you're going to go 0-4 oh in the last four games in the division and still winless against Sean McVay. I, I just think I was so disheartened by the effort because it, it never did feel like the Cardinals were going to come back and win that game. Kyler Murray threw 50 passes, Blake. He completed 31 of them. For his average attempt completed was under five yards per, per completion. And it was just their offense has become just a pop gun offense that has a huge, huge issue with no margin for error because no one outside of DeAndre Hopkins can break tackles. The running game is non-existent outside of Murray. I mean, Murray himself ran for 75 yards. Kenyon Drake, 18 for 45. 
And you could say, well, it's the play calling, the slow misdirection. Um, they're, not, they're not quick hitters. They don't drive people forward. The offensive line's the issue. Whatever it is, it's a cumulative effort. A cumulative issue, I should say. Because outside of Kyler Murray, who has his faults, and DeAndre Hopkins, who did not play particularly well, he dropped the pass in the end zone, great play by Verrett to break that up. Everybody else on the offense, you could point a finger at, and you could say, not performing up to our expectations. Maybe DJ Humphreys outside of that group. Christian Kirk, too inconsistent. Andy Isabella, you're a non-factor. Larry Fitzgerald's old. Dan Arnold fumbled a ball, dropped too many. You know, Chase Edmonds was not effective. Um, you know, two catches for eight yards. He's limited right now. They don't have Max Williams. And then defensively, you've got a whole list of laundry list, uh, laundry list issues, specifically with your missed tackling from your linebackers. There's no, you know, ferocity. You're not exposing the other team. You're not in the backfield. You're not applying pressure. You're not making them uncomfortable. It just they 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 slept walk through that game thinking that the Niners were going to quit, especially after a limited Dallas team put up 40 against them. And we predicted it on the show last week, Blake, or at least I did. I thought this would be a blowout. And it was very much a wake-up call for a team that's on life support right now. The Like you said, as far as a wake-up call went, I think that the biggest thing when you look at what went wrong, you look back and see the tape, you look at kind of some of the grades, you try to piece together. A lot of the blame, at least, has been lifted onto the coaching staff because of questions about whether it was preparation, things that just did not seem like that they worked on offense. When I looked back, at least, and saw a lot of it came down ultimately to the Niners were able to go out and enforce their will by running the football in Arizona. And then with George Kittle essentially on a pitch count, they still use some of kind of the same issues that we've seen in the past as far as with quick, easy bootlegs, with being able to have guys who would, you know, get faked out at least with the double moves. Kittle obviously is maybe the best tight end in the NFL. He's going to get his. He had four catches for 92 yards. Uh, the fact that he was on a pitch count helped the Cardinals. If he was fully healthy, I shudder to think at least what he might have been able to do um, receiving. But really, C.J. Beathard did not have to do a lot at all. The Niners were able to keep him very clean overall in the pocket. They were able to make him mistake-free. Uh, really, the thing that I saw at least was it comes down to football is a game about blocking, tackling, uh, and catching when you think about it, because those are really the only three things you can do outside of, you know, running the football, outside of play action. And what I really got to see was the Niners, they in some cases targeted areas as far as with Chris Banjo and other people who are safeties on the outside edges were able to force, you know, a few missed tackles. Guys were able to get in space and block downfield, which is part of the schematic areas of Kyle Shanahan that's always been present. But really, it was right up the middle, which while you can speak to some of the weakness of the Arizona defensive line, that was ultimately, I think, the difference in the game was that the Niners' offensive line was able to get push, be able to get guys blocked up the middle, be able to kind of clog. Arizona was not able to clog the lanes. Now, the offensive side, Arizona got no push. Like you said, Kenyon Drake, he averaged about 2.5 yards per carry. I think that they did a stat that was at one point during the game, there was a longer run that the Cardinals had had, and if it wasn't for that long run, he wouldn't have even been getting two yards per carry. They were getting nothing up the middle. They weren't able to see it being broken outside. A lot of Kyler, as far as what he was able to do, was scramble around for the most part. He still took three sacks overall. Um, you had, as like you mentioned, a few dropped passes. Some of them were well-placed for that. One of them was, of course, fumbled by Dan Arnold, at least. And 
came down to the turnover battle where the team was unable to really be able to take advantage of the fact that C.J. Bathard was in there. He didn't make mistakes under pressure, and when the Cardinals did, uh, you think back to kind of where the team still had a chance at the end of the game, and I think a lot of kind of the microcosm of what we've talked about as far as for where the Cardinals have to develop comes down to they drove down the field, they looked like they're about to be able to potentially score, then you've got a, you know, either kick the field, kick the extra point, and you've got a chance to be able to take the lead with a field goal or go for two, be able to tie up the game. Uh, you have the offensive line ends up getting blitzed off of the right side. Kyler double clutches a little bit, hesitates, ends up throwing the ball on a fade route to the right. And Christian Kirk either was not expecting it, he thought it would be deeper, the ball was maybe a bit underthrown. He's not even aware the ball is like kind of in the air for the most part. And the one-on-one coverage that normally you always throw and take advantage of is instead taken advantage of by the Niners who picked the ball off. At that point, they close out the game, able to drive down and be able to kind of rush down the field. Arizona ends up um, with very little time on the clock left to be able to go down and ultimately have to score eight points and a touchdown. Uh, turn it over, at least on downs. There was a deep pass to Christian Kirk that was a bit high, and the final play to DeAndre Hopkins ended up being slightly behind him. It was a game where a lot of people, I think, are going to point at that and say, that's why Robert Salo, despite missing talent, despite missing people, they executed their scheme overall well and were able to deliver, and it really kind of, in a lot of cases, stood out, John, is the fact that we're still seeing when the Cardinals have played a good defense, there's a combination of the lack of offensive talent that's shown up, and there's also the fact of we've seen this team be able to get outclassed and outcoached for that this year, and I think that's got a lot of fans worried overall about the long-term effects, despite the fact that this team ultimately has a chance to still finish where we thought that they could, with a 9-7 and record and a berth in the playoffs. And in that regard, it's hard to be able to see it as a success going in because, like you talked about, the Cardinals at least had everything going for them, at least, where they had a chance to claim their own destiny. And they went out and put up a dud, which looks like, at least for the most part, it's a combination of you're just not quite there yet. And the players who were there, some of their stars, just did not seem to be able to show up. But it was the best game of the season for Patrick Peterson. And you saw instead guys like Devondre Campbell didn't show up. You at least got to see a lack of a pass rush. Uh, And ultimately, the biggest thing that it came down to was you have to block and tackle and catch. Cardinals struggled to block for Kyler Murray. They struggled to tackle the 49ers. And they dropped the ball, literally, in terms of a golden opportunity. It hasn't killed them just yet, but you're going into a game where a lot of folks are very kind of worried and cautious because you're not just facing a backup Niners quarterback. You're now facing the St. Louis Rams and Sean McVay. Now, uh, we'll be able to get into some of their whole situation as far as injury, but uh, what were some other thoughts that you had just looking at the Cardinals game? I, I felt like that there was a combination and it's hard to be able to piece out together what the one exact direct cause is but the easiest one I think to say is the Cardinals just aren't there yet where it seems like that they're moving toward in that direction but the fact that they're not there yet and taking a setback like this is probably going to have a lot of fans questioning yeah I I would argue the fact that they're not headed in the right direction at least for this season based on how they started and again I know that a lot of people think about the ups and downs of an NFL season but you want to be peaking at the right time and I think a lot of it depends on who you play and how your players are performing what you're doing in terms of development and I I am just I'm having 
big reservations with this franchise right now because you know they're a Hale Murray play away from being I think two and six in their last eight games with those two wins coming against the NFC East and almost losing to Philadelphia in the process I I'm just I'm concerned about how this team projects moving forward because do they have an offensive identity outside of Kyler Murray playing kind of backyard football? I would say no. They no longer run the football effectively like they did a year ago. No other secondary options outside of Hopkins have stepped up. Um, and then defensively, you're playing two what equates to now journeyman inside linebackers over the eighth overall pick who played 21 snaps on Sunday against the Niners, which is unacceptable. You, you mentioned Patrick Peterson playing well, but then you look at the Niners, they didn't really try to throw, especially to their wideouts. They knew exactly what they were doing. They were booting out. They were getting C.J. Beathard on the move. They had him lead blocking at times. They, they targeted the middle of the field, and they, they exposed the vulnerable and immobile and unathletic inside linebackers for the Cardinals. And the fact that the Cardinals are very susceptible now to the middle of the field between those two individuals and the fact that outside of Buda Baker, you've got some limitations at safety. Now Jalen Thompson being a non-factor. So I, I, every team has injuries. And I think the Cardinals have been fairly fortunate with the injuries that they've had outside of Chandler Jones. And they've had Reddick step up and fill that void. And the pass rush has been one of the best in football. So you look at the rest of this team and it's like, where are your excuses? You've got a head coach now. This is going to be, that was game 35, no, 30, 31 of his NFL coaching career. He's coached 31 games. And the offense looks like it's going the wrong way. And that's concerning for me. Because we thought to begin this year, with the offensive outbursts against Washington, the Jets, the Cowboys, the Seahawks the first time, even the Bills and the, and the Dolphins back-to-back, the offense was producing at a high level. But ever since that Thursday night game against Seattle, 21 points, 17 points, you know, you got a last-minute touchdown against the Rams for 28, you know, and then you got 26, yes, you put up 33 against Philadelphia, who's egregious defensively, then you put up a a season-low 12 points. I, I just think we are in a position right now where, especially as you look ahead to this Sunday, when you're going to get a, what we feel like is a somewhat compromised and limited Kyler Murray, you don't have anything to lean back and rely on to be able to say, well, we just have to do what we do well. What is that right now? That's, I, I would say occasionally it's rushing the passer, and then it's Kyler Murray being Kyler Murray, breaking off a long run, throwing a bomb to Hopkins. I mean, that's what they do well. Occasionally Dan Arnold makes a play, but we don't feel confident in this team being able to say, we're going to put together a 10 to 12 play drive where we're just kind of have the intermediate passing game going. We're going to mix up, mix in the run game. They don't do those things well. And I think that that's, that's the biggest issue with this team right now is that you have no playmakers outside of Hopkins offensively that can come out and turn a five yard out route or a hitch into a touchdown that can break tackles that can get yak after, you know, yards after the catch. You don't have a, a Drake is not the same caliber of player. He was a year ago. The interior offensive line for the Cardinals is a major liability right now. Mason Cole is playing his worst career football. So you've got just so many questions going into, it's January 3rd. You guys have been together for almost six months playing competitively, and, and you've got issues that you're still trying to iron out. I mean, this is, this is who the Cardinals are. And for the Cardinals to be able to win on Sunday against the number one defense in the NFL, it's going to take a couple things. It's going to take 
defensively, it's going to take Vance Joseph that we've seen in the last couple weeks. He's going to have to play his best football defensively. They're going to have to rally like it's the Giants game and surrender seven points. They're going to have to force turnovers because even when the Cardinals offense is gifted turnovers, half the time they're not able to cash in. They have become inept in the red zone. They were one of the best red zone teams to begin the year. Now Kyler Murray's got interceptions in the red zone back-to-back weeks against Philadelphia and, and, and San Francisco. They're either not getting points or they can't convert on short yardage. They're kicking field goals. I, the biggest hope for this weekend is that the defense rises to the occasion after that horrendous performance last week, and I think that that's possible. But right now, with with everything going on with Kyler, I just I have very little confidence in Cliff Kingsbury being able to elevate this offense to a win on Sunday. And if that's the case, and we get to next week and the Cardinals are out of it at eight and eight. I still think that there's a better chance that Vance Joseph has let go over Cliff Kingsbury. And I'm not saying either move is correct, but what does that tell you about the future of this team? It doesn't It doesn't give me a lot of confidence right now, Blake. No, I, I would agree because like we've talked about for this year, there's a combination that you get of excuses and a combination that you get of recognizing certain realities. What we talked about at least throughout this entire year was um, – Vance Joseph in 2019 was dealt a bad hand. We saw the improvement that the Cardinals had made overall in 2020 when they added some talent, but we've also seen limitations. You talk about the last few weeks, you look at how both Jalen Hurts and C.J. Beathard, two backups, uh, and even a quarterback making a second start in Tua Tagovailoa, the Cardinals went out as far as on defense, and if they weren't able to kind of luck into forcing a turnover or two they just give up yards galore now again part of the reason why their defense has been effective is they've been more of a bend but don't break you take a look at this game where there was forced field goals that they had as far as the team went but they still at least held the Niners to (laughs) still give up three touchdowns at least through the air and that was one of the cases at least of seeing how I think that Vance Joseph has done enough to earn himself at least, uh, here's a good way to put it. He's done enough where you don't necessarily say that he has to go, but he hasn't done enough that has convinced me that he's definitely the guy that has to stay moving forward. And it's tough in that regard because part of that, I don't think, falls on the fact the Cardinals really are lacking some defensive playmakers as well. Right now, when you look at their team, the defensive playmakers that they have at least are the likes of you know, Buda Baker, you've seen Patrick Peterson in the past get interceptions. He's got, I think it is, what is it, one or two on the year, I think. I think it's just one, honestly. You're not seeing at least the ability to take the ball away, and some of that may come from uh, the fact that they play essentially a press man scheme where they're not playing as much zone coverage. We've seen at least overall with the zone coverage when they have played it. seems like it gets picked apart very easily underneath. Uh, the linebackers, as far as with how their speed goes, the the fact that Devondre Campbell started off the year playing very, very well, and then it's kind of diminished as far as his role throughout the year. Seems like he's either lost a step from where he was in coverage or what kind of seems at least a bit more likely is the combination at least of um, him and having a rookie in Hassan Reddick has hurt the team. The, the Niners ran the exact same angle route touchdown to Jeff Wilson that they ran uh, week one with Raheem Mostert that was done on Isaiah Simmons for a long 75-yard touchdown. They run that same route for a touchdown with Jeff Wilson, and it was almost a mirror of the same play that they ran a year ago to get a touchdown against the Cardinals. There's somehow either been a lack of 
adjustment or just an inability, at least for the most part, for some of those. And sometimes you credit at least the play calling that is there. But in a lot of cases, John, you're right. It does kind of feel like we're entering like, you know, what is it? The, the fifth off season in a row. We're like, oh, man, Steve Kimes got his work cut out for him. And at some point you end up looking at the talent level on the team and be able to say, all right, well, like you have to be able to, as a coach, go out and do what's expected of you. And if you are overachieving, that's usually the way that you're getting the most out of your players. The Cardinals are not overachieving this season uh, relative to where they've been. I think to some they are. But, John, you and I talked about how we felt that this was ultimately a team that should be vying for that seventh playoff seed. And that's exactly where they are. They're not exactly getting, I think, the most out of all of their players. I think that they're getting a lot out of them. But it's kind of that level of how much is good enough to expect with this team for the staff and for the talent. Um, And I think that there's, like you said, there's questions moving forward with some players at least that you'll have, like, the one that I think that popped up most notably, at least, was the play of Mason Cole over the past few weeks has been an issue. We've seen him struggle as far as with some of the snaps and uh, also with some of these false starts that seem to be popping up. Uh, some are saying they're ticky-tacky, but overall, for some reason, the, someone even talked about the, the squeeze-the-ball trick where it looked like they were trying to see about, you know, you kind of squeeze the ball, see if you can get someone to jump off sides. Uh, whether that's just a fundamental thing as far as with the coaching Um, or just an aspect, at least, where the team has struggled, at least for the most part, of trying to get an edge. Uh, It's one of those spots where we have not seen it improve over the season. We've seen it get worse, and for some reason, it just hasn't been worked on, and it's cost the team quite a bit. It it was honestly (laughs) a bit of a surprise to me because listening to Cliff Kingsbury's post-game press conference, it was the first time that I can almost remember where like he almost kind of put blame onto a player versus himself. And it was like he kind of corrected himself immediately afterwards. But he went, yeah, you know, it was like, you know, got to do better. Starts with me for that. Give them credit for that one. There was a few plays where we were in third and short. And we had a false start penalty for that that pushed us back. And it was interesting because it was like, huh, like he didn't even say that there was an issue as far as with the coaching. He actually like mentioned that there was something wrong. And it was one of the few times that he would actually kind of like put a player out. Now, if, if that's as much as he's going to roast a guy in front of the media, then, you know, it's, it's not quite Bruce Arians, but it does show like you and I have kind of talked about how at Mason Cole, there has been questions about his snaps and other things coming out of the senior bowl. He's done fine, at least for the first season. And then it seems like we've seen kind of almost a ceiling that he is, Hit And then the bigger ceiling, to me at least overall, seems to be Christian Kirk is just looking like he's gone from a plus on the team to being potentially even more of a liability more often. Like, he had a good 38-yard catch that Kyler placed perfectly, but that was his biggest catch of the day. He had 6.3 yards per catch afterwards. Uh, It didn't even feel like he was making an impact through the game. There was a dropped catch in the end zone that we saw, and this is like the, I think it's the second time in three weeks we've seen him you know, drop a catch in the end zone that had a huge meaning for the Cardinals. And then you look at how when he was targeted on that last play for that touchdown, didn't play defensive back, wasn't aware. It was just a spot at least overall where, and it made me remember that he was the targeted guy for that last Kyler interception too in the Eagles game. Now, I think that was more on Murray as far as reading the underneath coverage. But really, it's like you're looking across the team and being like, who are the guys who are being expected to step up and make plays? Because without having Max Williams in the lineup and without having Chase Edmonds there to kind of force a tackle, like you said, John, it feels like the the, the way to beat the Cardinals for the most part is pretty easy overall. It's just, hey, 
what we do to beat the Cardinals, if we can get yardage, run the football really well on them without those defensive linemen in, and stop their run on the other end, force an average passing game to beat us, they essentially come down to one-on-one 50-50 balls with uh, DeAndre Hopkins. And that was incomplete this time. Jason Verrett had a huge impact. It was good to see him as far as for how many injuries he's gone through. But what was tough for Cardinals fans, at least, was you had a weak secondary you could not take advantage of. I think that's going to kind of bring us to with this coaching staff for that one. We can, you know, talk about the talent and stuff and what Kime has done if we need to another time. Right now, you kind of have the talent that you have. What do you think at least is the core principle of what are we supposed to think of Cliff Kingsbury heading into this final game? And for that matter, what do we think of Vance and are the Cardinals at least going into a game where we're going to see the Rams do exactly what they've done in the past, hang up some, you know, 30 plus points on the Cardinals be unable to adjust and Arizona not able to win despite the fact that everything's kind of in your favor. What what are we to think of Cliff right now? If the Cardinals, you know, whether they do pull this off or not, it just feels very much to a lot of Cardinals fans like that. The doubters are making a lot of good points (laughs) and the team's not backing it up. Yeah. Well, I think Cliff was playing with house money last year because of how, much leeway he was given where that Cardinal team was in 2018. And I think most of us felt like he was doing a really, really solid job last year. Yeah, I, he exceeded my expectations. The The offense played well. And I think for the most part, the biggest areas of, of concern were defensively. And everybody just assumed, okay, you get Hopkins, you've got an opportunity now to add some p- key pieces defensively, and then we're going to take the next step in year two. And if you were to just look at this team – and their record without seeing the games, knowing how they played out, and just said the Cardinals are going to finish 8-8 eight and eight this year. I think most people would be like, that's that's a nice improvement. While we would have hoped for 9-10 wins in a playoff spot, I think given the talent on the team, especially when you consider, oh, and you're going to lose Chandler Jones in week 4 or 5. I think most people would say that's a nice year for Cliff Kingsbury. And then you sit and watch the games. And they get off to the fast start and then they fade in the second half, that's that's an indictment of him. It's an indictment of him that he, if he loses on Sunday, is going to go 0-4 in the last four games against divisional opponents that any one of those games would have wrapped up a postseason spot if he loses. I think it's an indictment of him that he hasn't been able to develop any of these secondary options at receiver. And I know he's not the receiver coach per se, but he had a big hand in drafting Isabella. You know, Keyshawn Johnson, you could argue, wasn't given a fair shake earlier this offseason. Christian Kirk, as you mentioned, has been a complete non-factor and a disappointment over the last half of the season. Uh, that's as much of a Steve Kime problem, but I also would argue just the the continuation and the, and the stubbornness seen by Kingsbury. I just felt like he was much more creative last year, and he took more risks. Not risks like he is this year with going forward on fourth down, but just play calling risks. And I, th- I think there was there was just more complexity to what he did, and the run game was much more fe- efficient this year. They've dropped from 13th to 20th in Football Outsiders total offensive efficiency, and yet every week it's counter slow direction misdirection run plays that lose yards there's no explosiveness to the run game you know drake's gonna plod his way to a thousand yards rushing barely and then there's just the continuation of these horizontal plays that are meant for we say this every week the horizontal screens that the cardinals try to run outside of hopkins are meant for explosive young playmakers that can make something out of nothing and the Cardinals have none of those players 
The only other player offensively that can break tackles consistently is Chase Edmonds. Outside of DeAndre Hopkins, if you're throwing an out route to Kirk or Fitz or Isabella or whomever, they're not breaking tackles necessary to gain positive yardage. And most of the time, you're losing yardage. I mean, I love Larry Fitzgerald. Somebody put it perfectly on Twitter. He's an, he's an icon. He's the greatest Cardinal ever. Looks like he's running with cement feet out there. And, you know, you bring that up and people lose their mind. He's, he's going to be 38 years old. I mean, there's that's not a criticism to Larry Fitzgerald. Everybody, father time catches up to us all. But I think it's also a combination of Cliff just not identifying, like, okay, so if you're in a position offensively where you guys can't make yak happen, you're not breaking tackles, you need to tailor your offense to, okay, if that's the case, we need to run more of a vertical passing game that we can get these chunk plays so on occasion Kirk can bring one down and he's not expected to make a man miss we can just get a chunk play for 20 yards something that I thought he did to affect last year and he had a higher yards per completion last year per catch last year you need to stretch the field more and I think if you think you're going to go into this Rams game this weekend and you're going to dink it and dunk it to to a victory All I can tell you is you're going to give up more points offensively than you're going to gain. The Rams will smother you. Brockers and Donald can run sideline to sideline like no other defensive tackle combination of football. They've got a really um, under-the-radar back seven with a bunch of no-name players flying around. The Cardinals need to stretch the field vertically this weekend to win. If you come out and you're throwing passes behind the line of scrimmage and you're doing the slow developing run plays, they Kylo Murray, if he does play, and I expect him to, will get destroyed. Russell Wilson last week was sacked five or six times. I, I just think, we, and we, you just mentioned it, Blake. I mean, the, the offense is what it is at this point. But I think that's why so much of us have this trepidation with, with this weekend going into a game they should overwhelmingly win. It's on a silver platter, knocking a division rival out of the playoffs, you would assume, if Chicago wins, taking over and getting to the playoffs this year. Huge stepping stone. You give Murray an increased sense of, of confidence in the organization, in his coaching staff. But I'll tell you what, if the Cardinals lose this game on Sunday, if you don't think Kyler Murray, if he hasn't already, begins to have doubts about the ownership's ability to put together a successful coaching staff and personnel around him, you better think again. He's going to look at Cliff Kingsbury and, to a lesser extent, Vance Joseph, if they wet the bed again this week. And let's say Murray plays well and they still lose. He's going to look at them and say, this, this franchise is everything that I thought it was when I was drafted here. A perennial loser, a team that's never won anything, and we have gotten worse as the season has gone on. We, went, we were 5-2 and two be, mostly because of my individual play. He beat the Niners week one by himself running the football. He was sensational the first seven games of the year. And then he got a little banged up against Seattle, and he needed his, the rest of his team, the running game, other, other elements of this team to help out. And no one outside of a couple nice defensive performances by Vance, specifically the Giants win, has done that. And I, I just think that noise is going to grow louder. And the, the best cure for this is to win the game on Sunday. But I just think it opens up such a Pandora's box of, is, is this franchise really committed to winning do they have the right people in charge to be able to get me to the to the place I need to be at? Because we've seen Kyler Murray at his best, and he's as good as anybody in the NFL. But when he's not elite on Sundays, they they lose. Because, like you mentioned, Blake, they don't have the personnel, the talent, and they most of the time are at a disadvantage at head coach. John, the 
Uh, this is kind of one of the things we can talk about when it comes with Cliff and Kyler. Uh, like we said, the, the team this year has had some ridiculous highs. They still are the second team in terms of yards per game. They've put up only behind the Chiefs. They're beating out teams like the Packers, beating out you know crazy rushing teams like the Titans and others. They've been able to put production on the field yard-wise. Now, the biggest thing, at least, that I think that you're talking about otherwise is, you know, there's been some struggles of being able to punch it in. Uh, as far as for points per game, we've seen a definite difference there. Rushing attack ultimately has been kind of their bread and butter this year uh, they're still getting about 145 yards a game and when you're talking about um, their passing attack you know, the only teams that are ahead of them are the Ravens who have Lamar Jackson who's been struggling to be able to complete passes this year and the Tennessee Titans who are functionally a Derrick Henry first offense that then can get the ball off of play action from Tannehill to AJ Brown and Corey Davis they're just you know not a solid passing attack for that as well as for the Cardinals being able to you know take some of those different deep shots and being able to pick up a lot of yards but they still are ultimately a run first team. I think what's tough, at least when you look at with how Cliff and everything is, is you didn't expect like this downfield aerial raid. You, what you saw with him out of college was a guy who was a lot more balanced. We've seen some uniqueness in the rushing attack and we've seen at least ultimately like production. If you told Cardinals fans that you would go from the 32nd offense to the second offense in terms of yards per game two years ago, everyone would have taken it. But the issue with that ultimately is it's a wins based league and when you're talking about with looking at the likes of with Kingsbury with others whether it came down to questions on management when it looks at the defense when you're looking at things overall as a team there's always going to be a level of criticism until you win I had to look back to see what was the case for the Bruce Arians related Cardinals to find out what was kind of the defining moment for that Cardinals organization what was the thing that really defined them and what kind of surprised me was despite everything that we looked at with that team remembering you know Carson Palmer those deep shots uh, the, you think of David Johnson and Chris Johnson in 2015 they were a defensive team. That was what really surprised me. They were, on average, holding teams to about 20 or so points per game and putting up about 24. And then the one year that they went off, that was the year where they were scoring about 30 points a game. So what we see, at least in that regard, was they were then a team that was able to know what their identity was. It was on the defense to be able to blitz bring the house. They set up a defense with Todd Bowles schematically that James Betcher took over, and uh, it reminded me a lot of that uh, kind of team identity that stuck with you all the way even up until the last home game of the season in that 2017 season. They shut out the New York Giants. Uh, they had you know Drew Stanton at quarterback, and they were able to at least defensively had people in position who knew what they were doing. They were well coached in that regard, and despite the fact that there were times that they would have awful showings, that was still who they were. That's been, I think, the case for San Francisco, at least, when you're talking about how they've been a run-first team. Really, their wins have come down to with Robert Sala, and that's been a lot of their defensive identity, I think, has been maybe not necessarily tied to him, but it's been kind of driven. That's something I think that at least the Cardinals can look at and be able to go with right now what kind of their identity is. is it's, it's really been the likes of Kyler Murray and being able to utilize some creativity with the blocking schemes with this 12 personnel that was set up and being able to get DeAndre Hopkins involved overall what we've seen as far as struggles and one of the adjustments, at least, that's kind of, and this is where I say a lot of it, it's like the, the chicken and the egg. Did the Cardinals, because of Cliff Kingsbury, not throw the ball downfield as much in terms of their saying, hey, we want to go with a 
quick horizontal passing attack that keeps our quarterback upright, that keeps these rushing lanes open so that we can, you know, get Kyler the ball in space or get some of these running backs since teams have to watch for these horizontal pass plays. And then targeting to kind of move down the field, keeping guys in rhythm, keeping on schedule so you can get these third and shorts rather than having these long third and 18s. Or is it kind of the team is having to struggle with they don't have guys who can separate down the field who can get open. Kenyon Drake, like as we've seen, is uh, able to be uh, still efficient, but we're still lacking the explosive rushing plays that we saw from him a year ago. Chase Edmonds has been their most uh, explosive run guy running the football outside of Kyler this year. And we've seen a lot of it as far as they've involved Dan Arnold has become their secondary passing threat over the last few weeks. Is He was a guy who's able to get open a lot more now. He wasn't holding on to the ball as much. And granted, some of these passing plays were in very, very difficult and tight windows. But I think that that's kind of where we've seen with this team is overall, it's been a lot easier to take away their identity than I think a lot of people wanted or expected. Some of that maybe falls onto your second-year quarterback. Some of it falls onto Cliff. A lot of it is so tight and so wrapped up right now, John, that really I think what you can look at at the Cardinals is this kind of a narrative for the season. It's They're a team that's not been good enough to be able to get over that hump yet to be able to be one of the great teams. And it's a team that has always found a way to get punched in the face at least for one or two games of a year. And it's just they drop a game to an opponent that they shouldn't drop to. Whether that's performance, whether that's being outcoached, they always drop it. What we've also seen is they've always been able to find a way to essentially bounce back. And that's been kind of the case, at least, that we've seen as far as, you know, oh, man, Cardinals are just about to go over the hump, and then they lose a game. Like, Cliff Kingsbury against the spread when he's a home favorite, which which hasn't been often that the Cardinals have been favored and are at home, he's been 1-5. in five. The Cardinals have not been able to really get over the hump and take care of teams they should. But what they have been able to do, at least, is go and uh, be able to at least bounce back in a lot of the games that they've struggled with. The next week, and this is the game we get to preview and talk about now here, this is kind of it as far as finding out what team is it going to be. Are the Cardinals going to be that team that bounces back? Or are the Cardinals going to be that team that essentially kind of wilts under some of the pressure of facing the likes of McVay? And uh, let's, let's get in and talk about this game now because this is a huge, important matchup for the Cardinals because this is essentially, without speaking, not only a playoff game, but it's a playoff game that's likely to have Jared Goff out. And Cooper Cup, as of we're recording this, was recently put onto the COVID list. Right. Kyler Murray's status is still up in the air with an injury, but based on what the reports have been, the expectation is that he's going to play, and not that he's going to be playing limited. You're still talking about facing a backup quarterback, at least for that one, against the Rams in a playoff game. This is essentially the make or break it when you're the coaching staff and the team to be able to make sure whether this season is a success or if you're in watching January football from your couch. What are your thoughts on what we have right now with essentially a huge game, if not the game of the season, we should say, for the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday, John? Yeah, I think it's the biggest game Cliff Kingsbury has ever coached. It's nationally televised. It's the CBS game of the week. And you're whatever Vegas puts out, I think the lines are irrelevant right now. You should be an overwhelming favorite given the personnel alone. And I know if the roles were reversed and Sean McVay had the personnel offensively, the Cardinals had, it would be a very different story, but Sean McVay is going to be without his franchise quarterback. Say what you want about golf. He's torched the Cardinals in recent years, especially with McVay's undefeated. He's the only quarterback that's taken a snap for this team this year. 
and he's out. And they're going to have to go to their backup. They also are going to be down potentially their top two running backs. Daryl Henderson's on IR, and Cam Akers has high ankle sprain. Even if he plays, he's not going to be effective. Malcolm Butler or Malcolm Brown is their third string running back. He's more of a short yardage back, and he's not particularly good catching the football so maybe they're going to have to go to their practice squad for a capable back we'll have to wait and see and then you mentioned it Cooper Cup who's been a a huge thorn in the Cardinals side historically that has given Patrick Peterson all kinds of fits he went on the COVID list today he's going to have to test negative three times before Sunday to be able to play so 50-50 there so so Sean McVay has everything going against him and the Cardinals are fairly healthy Blake I mean if, if we assume Kyler Murray is going to play which we do They've got their entire receiving core. They've got all of their backs. I think Edmonds plays this week. He's training to to, to play. The only player that they might be out is Max Williams. But outside of that, I mean, there's, there's, there's just a, it's a complete night and day scenario. And then defensively, the Cardinals should only be getting healthier. They could be getting back Drake Kirkpatrick at a hundred percent this week. They could be getting back Jalen Thompson for the season finale. So personnel wise, the Cardinals have an advantage coaching wise. We know the story. Now, the Cardinals don't have to travel to the East Coast. You don't have to get up super early. They, they have to go a couple hours west to play it against the Rams with no fans in the stands in an afternoon game. And it's basically going to come down to, do you feel like this team is good enough to make the playoffs or not? And they're, they're, it's gifted on a silver platter for them. And they're either going to respond one or two ways. They're going to come out with their hair on fire after the embarrassment last week, and they're going to play really well. And they're going to do just enough to to secure the victory. It doesn't matter if they win by one or ten, or they're going to be they're going to shrivel up in the moment. They're going to get run over again, and just they're going to get out schemed, out schematic by a better head coach, and the offense is going to be smothered by the number one defense in the NFC, and they're going to lose. And then we're going to have a, a whole bunch of questions to discuss this time next week, Blake. I I am not ready to pick the Cardinals to win this game because they have never beaten Sean McVay. I have to see them beat Sean McVay one time to be able to have confidence that they can consistently do it. Because the, this quarterback, whomever that they trot out, uh, McVay is going to have a script put together, and the more confidence this young man has as the game progresses, the more success they're going to have. And that may sound cliche, but we saw it with C.J. Beathard last week. They went down and scored fairly quickly, and it was just like, oh, we can run on these guys. Jeff Wilson ran for over 180 yards. I mean, he's a backup to the backup. I mean, he he, he fights for, for playing time with Tevin Coleman behind Raheem Mostert. I mean, Malcolm, Malcolm Brown's probably thinking to himself, I can come out there and rush for 100 yards and give this kid, you know, who, who is mobile, by the way, this John Wolford. He can move around a little bit. They're going to be booting him out. They're going to be working off a of play action. They're going to be getting their tight ends involved. They're going to be trying to expose the middle of the field defensively for the Cardinals. And most of the time when we watch this Rams team play against the Cardinals and Vance Joseph, I mean, they're taken to task. Guys are wide open. It's schematics. It's just, it's not freak show like what we see with Seattle where they just, you know, lock it and Metcalf. It's just pinpoint accuracy by Wilson and it's a little bit of backyard football to it. And they're just enough special players making plays. No, it's Sean McVay is right now, I hate to say this, the opposite of Cliff Kingsbury where he, he can just squeeze so much out of his personnel. And I know they haven't played particularly well this week but I something tells me that with Goff out they may play looser I I think they may play rejuvenated I think that they will have a better sense of who they are because they know this John Wolford and his limitations and maybe they were trying to rely too much of what they thought Jared Goff could do in years prior compared to where he's at now and that's a a player that's obviously regressed so I 
I can't pick the Cardinals to win this game, and it pains me to say that. And I want to pick them, and my 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 gut tells me that they're just they're just not good enough coaching wise. And that's a bigger question that and conversation we need to have as we enter the off season. But I I'll give you my official prediction. I, I think McVay in this defense, I think, is good enough to beat this Cardinal team on Sunday. So I think the Rams win in not a convincing fashion, but I, I think they put up 21 points. I don't think the Cardinals get to, to 21. I think it's maybe something to the effect of 21-14 that, that the Rams win, unfortunately, and, 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 the, and the Cardinal season. I'm just being honest. I, I wish this wasn't the case, but I, nothing gives me confidence in this team right now that's going to say otherwise. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. I think, John, the three keys that I have, at least for the game, the the first and number one that I think that you see with this team is you have to be able to protect the ball with Kyler Murray, including, you know, we've seen how sacks just seem to just derail this team for the most part. That's part, I think, of being able to protect the ball and make smart plays. You're going up against Aaron Donald. You know, you'll have to have some guys in the back to be able to help either Chip or be able to produce. But I think that's the biggest thing, at least, is we've seen how Sean McVay, if he gets a lead at the half, they do such a good job of being able to keep it and being able to run the ball effectively to kind of get defenses tired. And even if it is a close game, then they uh, usually pull ahead. The second thing, at least, I think that you have to do is you have to be able to be disciplined as a defense. We've seen the Cardinals get out of place multiple times on these different bootlegs or on these different play fakes where they play for the run instead of playing for you know the possibility of a fake. And whether that's a coaching aspect or whether that's players just completely misreading, I think back to uh, one time Buda Baker was blitzing against the Niners playing the run he did not end up uh having a shot even to hit Bethard for what probably would have been either a sack or a heavy pressure where he had to throw it in the dirt Devon Kennard had in time with that as well that's at least that big type of discipline to be able to play contain and some of it at least as we've seen is I mean the Cardinals have to do something they've struggled to do all season I think that the biggest key at least for me right now is you'll have to be able to find some type of spark that the team's able to hit whether that's a big play downfield or I think it's going to be in a lot of ways a big play on special teams without having Cooper Cup and other guys there the Rams are going to be doing exactly what you expect them to do run the ball get Walford in a place where he's able to you know use his athleticism try to scheme guys open that to me I think is going to be the huge key John is you're going to have to be able to have someone step up someone make a play we did not see that happen in the Niners game you can talk about Cliff Kingsbury going for it on fourth down in his own end zone that was one of those game management decisions where you know John you and I think both could feel the Cardinals weren't going to be able to stop the Niners rushing the football regardless in that situation maybe you have a better chance of trying to be able to get them pinned deep they just were not waking up for whatever reason I was not as much a fan of that call for going for it I understood why you wanted to try to wake up your team but really it's going to come down to the Cardinals have to be able to go in and have a game where they can play mistake-free football and that's going to mean that Their coaches have to have one of the games of their lives. I don't think the Rams are an unbeatable opponent, but what you have to do is be able to get back to being this disciplined team that can be able to tackle, be able to do what your job is, and as long as you can do that and protect the ball with Kyler, I think that the Cardinals at least could eke out a win. I think that it'd be more of a 20-17 to type of game. Um, If you remember last time, the Zane Gonzalez setup where he missed that field goal totally changed the direction of the game for the Cardinals. We feel a lot more confident, at least, that they've got a better field goal kicker in place now. Uh, they don't have Andy Isabella playing as much. Keyshawn Johnson, we haven't even talked about him. He's been making plays in the slot. 
the Cardinals, at least, I think, are going to have to go out and be able to play discipline and go and be able to play winning football. And winning football is going to be making sure you can force the Rams into mistakes and being able to make sure you're not making mistakes themselves. If you're not able to force them into mistakes on the defense on the defensive side, then whew, it's going to be a long day, I think, for Cardinals fans, as this could be a game that comes down to the wire. Mm-hmm. Any last thoughts as far as for the game before we uh, head out for today with this episode? I think if I think if the Cardinals can afford to play field position, which I don't know if it's in Kingsbury's psyche to be able to do that. I watched that entire game against Seattle last week, and Seattle's a better football team than the Cardinals, but Seattle was very consistent with what they did. They played good, solid defensive football through three quarters, and then Russell Wilson made enough plays in the fourth quarter. If, if Kingsbury can just keep this close entering the fourth quarter and play field position and not not be conservative, but... Clearly, if you're playing against a limited quarterback, you know, use Andy Lee, punt the ball, rely on your defense, you know, say Vance, this is a game that you and I are going to have to win together because my offense is going to be behind the behind the eight ball because this is the best defense in football. I I just think that there's going to be a point if you can pressure this young quarterback enough where he will make a mistake. And who knows? I mean, it's like the Giants game. The field goals may be enough, so don't don't leave points on the board. And this isn't a game you're going to have to score 30 to win, you would think. I mean, last week wasn't. And I think if they could go back and redo that game last week, they'd change a lot of things. But I, I just think, too, punt the football when you need to. Live to fight another day on offense instead of just giving – instead of just giving continued opportunities for the opposing offense to have a short field if you fail to convert on fourth down. So – I I think they they need to get a little old school this week. I I don't know if it's in his 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 psyche his mantra to be able to do that. I also you mentioned Isabella. I I would like to see him active in an effort to maybe take a couple deep shots downfield and 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 stretch this team vertically. One of the issues I have with the Cardinals, as I mentioned prior, is too much of a horizontal passing game. And while Isabella is far from my favorite Cardinal, I I think that where you beat this Rams team is when you stretch the field vertically with them. Um, Kyle Shanahan was able to do it twice this year to this Rams team. Tom Brady and Tampa tried to do it. Brady was just awful that night that they lost to the Rams. There were people open for Tampa. So can you get enough time up front for Kyler Murray to set his feet on a drop back and be able to deliver it accurately down the field? He had good, good protection for the most part last week. His, his receivers didn't just didn't help him out. So, can, can the receiving core step up and haul in a couple vertical deep shots I think could change the complexity of this game because field position, it's going to be at a premium, Blake. Absolutely, yeah. Jalen Ramsey versus DeAndre Hopkins I think is the matchup to watch. If the Cardinals can connect with Hopkins and Kyler's not afraid of taking advantage of that, that's your offensive identity right there and that's what I think the Cardinals on the passing attack need to be able to do. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for us here. This is our only episode this week. We've got a holiday I know coming up and a incredibly important Cardinals game. Uh, we'll be here to talk you through all about it on the other side, at least hopefully we're back next week being able to preview a playoff matchup. Uh, hopefully the Chicago bears at least are able to, um, you know, either, uh, lose to the Packers so things become a little bit easier for the Cardinals but this is obviously a game where they have to win and be able to get in there's no scenario in which they lose on Sunday uh, to quote Al Davis it is a just win baby type of game you can find me on Twitter at Lake Murphy 7 to talk about it John where can our listeners find you I am at uh, Johnny Venerable on Twitter and then of course here on the ROTB podcast it's it's going to be a uh... 
one heck of a Sunday of football, Blake. Absolutely. Thank you guys again so much for listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast with us all season long. Uh, We'll catch you on the other side, at least, to be able to break down the uh, final game of the season, a playoff game ultimately for the Cardinals. Win and you are in. This has been the ROTV Pod.